You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Welcome to Max's Island. Sometimes on the island I get visitors who have done a few things in their life. Today I've got Renee Gardner with me who's actually done more than a few things. She's done many things in her life and I'm sure today she'll have a story that'll really entertain you. Welcome to Max's Island, Renee. Thank you, Tony. Nice to be here. So as you know, on Max's Island, we like to invite guests to go to that time in their life where something really different happened. They made a decision for themselves to follow their passion, do something different, or life actually threw a challenge up to them that caused them to um, have to react and do something a little different. So Renee, what's your story? Well, my story is about the moment that I woke up after open heart surgery about three years ago. And uh, it was a really defining point in my life. It was like life before open heart surgery and life after open heart surgery. And was there anything in the lead up to the open heart surgery where you had an opportunity to think about or did it come suddenly? Yeah, so a lot of the focus in in the lead up to, I I had a nine month period of preparation and mental preparation and a lot of the focus was to that point and then I actually didn't think of you know about anything after that I knew it was going to be a big big shift um everything gets recompartmentalized and you see the world completely differently after you go through such an epic health experience and I was on one hand really grateful to have had that medical support and guidance and life-saving surgery but on the other hand it it really changed a lot and I went into some very dark places after that and um, felt very lonely and depressed. So do you think that was because in the lead up to the surgery you were preparing for the surgery but weren't preparing for what was going to happen afterwards and perhaps how you felt? Yeah the what next and I um, I didn't I, as I said I I didn't cope very well at all and it it kind of came in a period of my life when a lot of other things collided and so I I, I found myself in a position of really starting again like life 2.0 in every sense um, 
having a new heart <laughs> and, and a new career and a new network of friends. And it was also a period that I'd just um, been through a, a transition in my marriage. I went through a divorce. And so I really thought, well, where to? What, what am I here to do now? You know, you think you've got things mapped out. And I thought before, before that period of time, I, it was going to be forevermore a particular way. And that changed. And so what I realised over the last couple of years is actually I now have an opportunity to do what I want and, and to, to dream even bigger than before, but in a much more grounded way. And I'm grateful for every moment, but it also has been a real battle to, to come out of that process. And I was sitting on the uh, process of open heart surgery and I was sitting on, the, on my psychologist's couch one day and I just said to her, I just, I, like, I can't. I can't, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. And she said what she learned in, in uni was that um, one of the five main factors that people experience depression, one of the key key things is open heart surgery and there's just no support afterwards, as well as divorce, job loss, movement, moving and all of these things. And I, I'd kind of experienced those five key things in one big hit. And so the challenge for me over the last few years has been really to, to be re, rebuild my um, mind, body and spirit. How much of it was, or where was the focus first, body or the spirit? Oh, totally on the, on the body, <laughs> yeah, get through that point. Definitely healing the body, but actually now I'm really about embodying my spirit and, and really living from that place and living from that place of living life with an open heart in every sense being totally authentically me not shying away from what I know is within me as part of my path and and my work now going forward which is to help other people on their journey um, you know through difficult challenges in life and to also kind of avoid getting to those breakdown points you know whether you're in the midst of a health crisis or or in everyday life you know we, we live with a lot of stress in our life at the moment and my absolute passion is to support people to connect to the heart and soul of who they are and to then go and live their magic in the world um, without needing to have open heart surgery to show them that. So you mentioned that you're, everything is about looking forward and it's about how you feel and how you've um, developed your, your goals and your vision since that time. How much of the past have you brought forward? Because as I mentioned in the intro, you've done many things, you've had a, a number of careers, you've been a success, successful social entrepreneur and been around lots of things that are really helping the world. How much of that learning, how much of that experience are you using to bring forward? Yeah, well, I, um, I felt like I pulled myself apart completely and then I've actually joined all those pieces back together. So I really feel like I'm living true to myself in every way. Definitely everything that I've, I've learned in the past is totally helping guide me now. Um, and I think most of my key core learnings have been through life's experience, through professional experience more so than any kind of formal education. Um, I always bring the past along with me because I'm also an archaeologist and I think to not know the story of our past, one of my favourite quotes is um, Marcus Tullius Cicero, to not know the story of our past is to remain a child forever and so I, I really think that some of our key learnings and um, 
opportunities and looking forward is to actually look to the past, look what work in the past, look at the wisdom and that you know of ancient history and past cultures, and and see how they lived and how they thrived, and and bring that forward into the into the future. So marrying the past and the future together to to be in the present moment, really. Renee, you've got this vision, you've got this forward-facing focus. What are you actually doing with that and how are you helping people? Yeah, I, um, it's, it's, I've had to move through a lot of fear, you know, as if, as if going through big health challenges and, you know, one lot of fear is actually realising living your dreams is a lot scarier at times <laughs> and so what I'm doing now is I've got a, a new business that I'm birthing into the world and it's around um, supporting people on their health and well-being journey it's a health and, and leadership academy and with the focus on holistic mental health and well-being and looking at how we can do things differently and the focus is on re- regardless of you know whether I work with an organization or someone in their business it's about the individual and supporting them to really connect to their their inner truth and to, to help them you know stand in their power and shine and yeah you know, I, I do that work with corporate organizations and also independent coaching clients um, yeah, mind, body, spirit, all the way. And do you find the appetite in business is there or that it really relies on an individual who has already made that breakthrough thought that actually my employees, it is about their well-being and if their well-being is right, then the well-being and the business will be benefit from it? Yeah, I, look, Tony, I think the world's changing, particularly this year, 2020, has seen a big shift in the way we really value each other and each other's well-being and our own well-being and reprioritising and, and business. I mean, look at the environment and uh, many um, employers or CEOs and directors are realising that people come first. And I know that the organisations I work with, the, the people in those leadership roles are on that growth path themselves and and they want to do good in the world they're deeply connected to a mission beyond them and they exist to support community and other organizations and that's really what they want to do they want to have a bigger impact and so the appetite has been increasing I think and it's just amazing actually getting to work with those organisations and seeing how much more soul they can bring out you know, um, within the business and, and for those they service. I've had this conversation with some people uh, and who were on Max's Island on a few episodes ago who were in lockdown in Melbourne and had experienced the COVID isolation for a lot longer than we did here in the West. And so we had the discussion around the appetite for change and that perhaps in WA we missed the opportunity a little bit because things went back to the, the, the normal very quickly. But are you still seeing that individuals either working in organisations or people you work with one-on-one are still looking for something more in life now, that they really do understand that the world has changed quite dramatically? Yes, I think this is the path that many of us are on anyway is recognizing that there are a lot of challenges even outside of this year in order to have a sustainable thriving planet going forward that that we need to make shifts and that starts with us 
as individuals and those that are doing the work, that kind of work and um, self-development, personal development work for themselves are bringing that forward in their businesses. So perhaps we did miss the opportunity for some really radical change in the way we do things, but I have faith, I'm a bit of an optimist, (laughs) that, you know, a new world can be created um, and it takes each of us actually following our path to do that. Working with organisations and and people directly, is all of that face-to-face or are you doing some of it online as well? It's blended. Uh, Yeah, face-to-face, group group workshops within organisations, some strategic consulting with organisations and and online coaching with individuals. So it's very mixed delivery. Yeah, the online coaching world is is starting to blossom and which is great because it makes... Very accessible for people to be able to um, engage in in that sort of relationship with somebody who can help guide their future, and um, it provides a little bit of anonymity, I guess, as well, where someone can do it online and in the privacy of their home and and feel um, a little more secure. Yeah, it's totally flexible. I think that's one of the benefits of tech, and um, it allows us to connect with people that are in in different parts of the world um and but yeah being in the privacy of your home they can have those breakthrough moments and not not out in public in a cafe always um but yeah it's a wonderful wonderful thing and the world of online courses as well i've got some of those in the pipeline coming through in the next year uh, around the work i do and just providing more opportunities for people to engage in the time that suits them I'm always interested in the way people learn and the way people develop after being given new knowledge, new wisdom. Are you finding that the appetite is really strong and people are looking or is there still a need to convince people that this is a way of of changing the way they look at the world? I think it's a bit of both. It depends on the market (laughs) you're, you're looking to connect with. Uh, But I always uh, like to work with aligned individuals, the ones that really want to make the change, that are already on the path and that commitment to making the change because that's where you have the better results and uh, and you have a greater value. And I think, yes, absolutely, there's definitely a need for policy um, advocacy on a big level in terms of health system and, you know, this is what I'm... I'm passionate about is doing mental health differently piece by piece but I I kind of move in more of a flow these days and and universe brings those people to me or I I kind of work with them and find them Um, so I operate very differently than what I did before Uh, I think it's um, a dual a dual approach in a way yeah talk about your approach to mental health it's obviously a very topical um, thing at the moment Um, we're fortunately we're all being a little more open we're um, able to discuss our mental health we're able to um, get it to a situation where it's it's going to be hopefully in the discussion similar to if we've got a cold or got the flu Mm. you said you approach it a little bit differently Mm. how do you do that without giving too many secrets away (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm all about prevention, first and foremost, but having said that, I also have been on my own health, mental health journey, more so than I ever imagined I would be. Um, I'd worked in sort of the mental health field for a while. I'd set up an organisation, a social enterprise to to do work in mental health differently um, through 
social farming and using community-based agriculture as a means for supporting people on a recovery path. But I didn't realise until I went through it myself how much stigma I still had attached to talking about mental health and my own mental health uh, until I found myself in hospital. And I kind of got the opportunity to see what it was like to be a patient. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a whole heap that's missing from, from mental health care. And so I'd had that perspective of previously my mum having been through this mental health system and then actually, um, you know, kind of taking her life. And that sort of spurred me in this direction of setting up the charity, but... I, in all the talking that I did and all the public promotion I did about awareness and suicide prevention, I didn't realise there was still that issue. And so I, I approach it differently now. I um, incorporate different modalities in healing. Uh, for myself personally, I, I um, am really deeply connected to my spiritual practices and I know that that has been my absolute saving grace, really, is finding that that strength within me through through really just allowing myself to open up to new possibilities and I think that's all I ask people to do is actually expand their mind around what's possible I um, have avoided medication in fact I, I'm totally I feel like I'm, I'm okay I'm good now but it's been a couple of years journey of going through PTSD and feeling even suicidal myself at times to get to the point now where I can actually stand up and authentically say, well, that I've, I've got a framework that I use that um, helps people to really put a plan in place to just make their life whole, wholesome um, all round. I think that's really important because that's probably the evolution of mental health treatment is the ability of the individual to find their solutions for themselves and be guided to those places and and you know probably mental health support has been down a particular traditional path up until now when everybody's opening up about it and there's more uh, attention to it and this focus on the individual as, a, as opposed to just straight medication or um, you know a particular type of treatment now it's very individualized and it's about understanding what will get them to that right space. Absolutely. And I think what we have to encourage and what I encourage in all of the work I do is giving individuals or people permission to find the answers themselves within um, because, you know, we, we grow up, we go to school, we're told what to do. In the medical profession, we're told what to do. We look up to professionals and, yes, those skills are absolutely needed. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go to an energy healer to have my heart fixed. But I've done a lot of work around really connecting more deeply to my own intuition and, and following my own path, even if it seemed completely out of the ordinary. And so I think that we all have our own answers for our own journey inside of us. And, and part of um, CODA, which is my business, is um, there's three tenets, which I've kind of dubbed the trinity of mental health and leadership. It's around holism, a whole being approach, a self-sovereignty, being that that sovereign individual and a leader and, and a, like a self-governing individual and empowered and guidance, you know, not having the above or below the, any hierarchy in, in kind of the, the training or coaching or the work that we do, but um, it's about being a guide and walking alongside people in their journey. Um, it's really levelling the, the playing field in a way.
I'm really fascinated with that second one and the you know the self-actualization and I think we all aspire, daydream, have goals and all of those things, but you really do need to start with understanding who you are and that self-actualization of what you have achieved, how important that has been and how important that is in you growing and, and developing yourself and, and being confident in your own skin. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And that takes a lot of excavation of the subconscious mind and excavation of our psyche. Um, I now say I'm an archaeologist of the self and of, of health and healing and well-being to really you know, pull back those layers and understand how our experiences shape our, our way of being and our you know, kind of default patterns and behaviours and triggers and know you know, where they come from, um, both ancestrally in terms of our family lines as well as like our experiences in this life and um, finding new approaches to healing, particularly uh, trauma, is a, a big one and I think that's sort of misunderstood in mainstream medicine and healthcare and knowing that we kind of live in a world that is a... The trauma is a very strong word, but it, it's really about taking us away from our core true self, you know, we're kind of needing to conform in this path. And um, when we experience traumatic episodes in our life, uh, the medication has been the main key route to managing that. But there are other ways. Um, and it's been about really, from my experience has been understanding how the mind works understanding how energy works understanding how emotions work and and that comes through doing a lot of that self-realization work i think that's really important to bring that wholeness and all of that emotion into the workplace it's not about being emotional in the workplace but it's about bringing emotion into the workplace and the value to an organization of the wholeness of an individual where they really are themselves is really important and you know, I think there is a paralysis that has previously occurred in organisations and probably still a hangover of this control environment, the traditional control environment, hierarchical environment where the individual does their job and they fit into a, a little, you know, the round peg in the round hole. And, you know, without doubt, the business does not get the best out of that person mm -hmm. and therefore the business is not as successful as it should be. Yeah, 100%. And I think that a lot of that comes from the Industrial Revolution, you yes. know, um, factory model, our education systems based on that uh, in a way. is. Uh, but uh, if we looked at ancient times, <laughs> it's all about um, that individual fully living, playing out their strengths, uh, living to their strengths. So, so when I do leadership work, it's actually around um, uh, strengths-based leadership. And um, if organisations really, instead of look, looking to job roles, looking at actually what kind of culture and um, how do we want this place to, to feel and be and how do we want that role to feel and be and who's the right kind of fit to bring out those strengths um, within the organisation first and then how do we foster the individuals we've got to play to their strengths regardless of what technical skills they have. Um, is really important and key to thriving, I think. I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. In my storytelling, one of my key tenets is taking people from thinking to feeling. Mm. And there's no reason why that can't happen in organisations as well. Yeah. Yes, we need to think and we need to make rational decisions and, and, and make 
um, you know, good decisions on, on for all the right reasons. But there's no reason why that can't then uh, move on to for us to understand how it makes us feel, how it makes us, the people we interact with feel, how our clients feel. And that's really important and that, that obviously is an empathy piece, but we really need to understand that transition from, from thinking to, to feeling. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I think we, we need both. We need to um, allow ourselves to soften into that feeling space. Um, it can be uh, a little bit vulnerable if an organisation's used to performing in a particular way, but it's actually magnetising for for attracting the, the kind of people and talent you want to work with in the business and also for attracting the aligned clients. Because when you're operating in that thinking space, you're actually only using about 10% of your consciousness. All of the feeling stuff, the intuition is in that 90, 80, 90% of our subconscious mind. And so what we're wanting to do with, with any work with individuals or organisations or individuals in organisations is actually bring some of that, um, you know, that feeling through um, and a kind of performing open heart surgery on your business in a way. Funny thing you just mentioned there, and it's not funny because it actually happens and, and people probably don't realise that it's happening in their business. You hear a lot of business people saying, we like to deal with clients who like to deal with us, that we're, we're friends with. You know, not only are they clients, and are they friends. But that can't be done without this engagement of feelings, this engagement of, of, of really truly who you are. It, it can't be done on a superficial business level. And so the irony of all of this is that businesses actually do it to their best customers. They actually build those relationships and engagement and they probably have done it without realising. And it's important for them to understand exactly what they are doing really well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And um, <laughs> a lot of the focus in organisations is on the external um, and the opportunity then is to do that piece on the internal and I think that's the same for us, right? We spend a lot of our time looking externally but we forget about doing that that work and, and um, on the inside, the self-realisation piece. So I, I think it's the way of the future. It's just growing more and more and um, as we all rise into this sense of actual truth about what it means to be human and open up and realise we all are human. I think we're going to be living in a world, I like to believe, <laughs> that is much more heart-centred. Renee, thank you for being on Max's Island. It's really interesting that a physical event in your life has had such a massive influence on your mental approach to, to life and and I'll really enjoy watching the next few years as you develop your business. So before we go, just give us a little plug and where can our listeners find Kota? Uh, Kota, okay. Uh, well, you can find us at experiencekota.com, socials at experiencekota, and email hello at experiencekota.com. And I look forward to connecting anyone, with anyone that uh, is interested in opening up their heart. Thanks for being on Max's Island, Renee. Thank you so much, Tony. Nice to be here. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh, work and no play and how. How it 
it turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmun track Go it alone No one to blame If he finished Or fell by the way sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phones. 